Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your host, Harvey. All right. And uh, this week, we are doing a uh, listener request. Uh, one of our listeners uh, asked that we review the 1997 movie. Uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. And this movie stars Jennifer Love Hewitt, uh, Sarah Say Michelle Gellar. Name. Say her name right. Jennifer Love Huge. No, I'm just playing. Sarah Michelle, Sarah Michelle Geller, Ryan Philippe, and Freddie Prince Jr. I'm pretty sure it's just Philippe, isn't it? Or is it pronounced Philippe? I think it's I think it's Philippe. Shut up. And, right, and special appearance by Johnny Galecki, who happens to be in this as well. <laughs> oh, and also Anne Hache is in this, which is Anne like... Hache is in this film. <laughs> it's a really weird like who's who of 90s people. <laughs> Well, okay, so the funny thing about this movie is, you know, obviously this uh, this was a listener request. This is my first time watching this movie since the 90s. Wow. Um, and I thought I'd seen this movie more recently, but what I actually saw more recently was Scary Movie, and there are so many, like, plot like strands or like gags from scary movie that are directly in this movie well the entire setup of scary movie <laughs> is pretty much the the story of this film yeah but for those of you that don't know this movie's loosely based on the novel uh, actually the same name i know what you did last summer by lewis lois lois duncan yeah and apparently awesome. it's the and for those that don't know, this is actually the beginning of a franchise that includes I Know What You Did Last Summer, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, and I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, I remember I watched I Still Know What You Did Last Summer off the strength of the fact that Brandy was in that movie. Like That was her big break into film because she was doing Moesha at the time which I like watched that show religiously for absolutely no reason that I can explain to you right now but uh but yeah I've seen that movie one time as well and if I reviewed it I wouldn't understand what the fuck is going on in there either like this this is a franchise and movie that had completely flown out of my brain. <laughs> but you know what's super weird about this movie is that it's it, it, technically it was a success. Like it was a commercial success, right? Like the like the world it, worldwide, it made I think like 125 mil on a 17 million dollar budget, and it was like for all intents and purposes, it was a very successful movie. But. I mean, it's even credited as the movie that, as one of those movies, like, it was this in Scream that brought back the slashers. And this was why, you know, 1990 was, and into the mid to, like, or early to mid-aughts, that's when we saw a whole, a huge, like, revitalization in these slasher movies. These, like, really, like, low-budget movies with high turnaround as well. Uh, but it's so, like, lost in in the... It's so lost in the shuffle of the 90s because I think Scream was such a well-done slasher and because it did things different. Because for all intents and purposes, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer is just a very by-the-numbers slasher film. Like, a lot like Prom Night or uh, what's it called? House on Sorority Row. Like, there, there's not, it's not a very dense film compared to like, but then, you know, you get to Scream and Scream is like this whole deconstruction self 
like very meta take on the slasher film so unfortunately it's like that just kind of leaves this one uh just kind of left to the wayside yeah well this one specifically the reason why it feels so much like scream is because it's written by the same guy uh the screenplay was written by kevin williamson who did scream he does this and he also does the original draft for halloween h2o which also feels like a scream like ripoff as well so what happened with this movie was i guess this was some sort of screenplay that kevin williamson had uh that that it was, I guess, floating around for years, right? Kind of like a spec script or something uh, that he had written, which was based on the Lois Duncan novel. And apparently this movie was rushed into production after Scream came out and was such a big hit. So this is, it's, it's like the conversation that we had before, you know, like last summer or last winter when we when we were doing horror films and we talked about how Scream basically saved horror from being direct-to-video movies, uh, this this is part of that renaissance and it was just like all right well you know this movie that Kevin Williamson did was mega popular and it had all these like famous TV actors in it why don't we do the same thing let's get let's get all these TV people let's shove them into a, a Kevin Williamson uh, written script uh, and let's go ahead and make some sort of movie out of it so it's the difference between this and scream is it's not as deliberate like scream everything was just like stunk of meta whereas this one i think and i and i think the reason why it it ultimately isn't as good as scream is because this movie feels more like it it feels more like before like it, it feels like before kevin williamson really kind of hit his peak yeah, that's what I'm saying. This one is a very by the numbers as opposed to when you get to Scream where it's like, like, like Scream is weird where it can be seen as uh, like a, both a satire and like a product of slasher films. And this is just like, you know, your very standard like slasher film fare. I would also um, argue that what probably makes Scream more of a seminal movie that just has a much greater legacy of it now is the fact that Kevin Williamson did not he wasn't like the main creative force behind that. Like it was him, but the movie was directed by Wes Craven, who was already a, considered a master of horror. So with that, Angel, what was your, well, you mentioned earlier that your first experience was watching this in the nineties, right? Do you remember what that was for you? Like how old you were and all that? No, I'm pretty sure it was like my parents rented it from Blockbuster and I, happened to sit down and watch it with them like they thought it was for kids and we're like how crazy is it that our parents watch so many slasher films like not giving a shit well i mean it's it's at a certain point if you're not scared of a certain genre of movie i mean you're obviously gonna watch it and it's funny now because like my parents are so different now like they don't like watching horror movies at all like they don't really like watching stuff like that or even mm-hmm. stuff that's really violent you know but you know when you're younger you do whatever you want and you know if they if i didn't care why would they (laughs) (laughs) my parents used to rent like random shit like they used to go to the racks at blockbuster like right now um i'm the reason why i know the hammer frankenstein movie which is like on hbo max now and i'm gonna watch it this weekend uh is because my parents happened to randomly rent curse of frankenstein like on video and that movie like 
fucked me up and i was like eight years old and i still fucking watched it (laughs) i loved that time where it's like you just watch fucked up shit no idea what it was about you're way too young to be enjoying it but you watch it anyway because your parents don't care because honestly i think that's what it was uh, my experience with this film was like it was just one of those movies i saw and don't like i don't remember seeing it i just remember like i, re- I just re- like it's one of those things that i just remember having the memory of it not sure exactly how old i was how i watched it I just, for some reason, will always remember the the final scene of this film, you know, where, uh, you know, the, the big, not really cliffhanger, but the big, like, jump scare at the end. For some reason, it's just one of those things that always pop in my head. Um, so, yeah, honestly, I can't really speak to my experience with this film, just that it's always existed and it's always been a part of me, I guess. So I think with that, let's just jump in talking about this super dense and complicated plot. So. In the town of Southport, North Carolina. Okay. Right off the bat. I honestly thought this movie took place in New England because of how many fucking fishermen and how many boats there are. Had no idea this movie took place in North Carolina. I literally thought that this movie was like filmed like in the same fucking place that they filmed Scream. (laughs) Like I know there was like fishermen and like all this weird shit and stuff like that. But I really couldn't place where this was supposed to be. And when I found that it was supposed to be North Carolina, like based on the license plate, I was just really confused. But then again, I don't I don't know what North Carolina is about. Like, I don't know what takes place in North Carolina. So I couldn't possibly say that's not, you know, oh, my God, that's not accurate. Like, I don't fucking know. It really threw me off. I honestly thought that because especially how this town like is super small. It reminded me of a weird fisherman's town from like a from a Stephen King book or movie, you know. But apparently, this movie takes place in North Carolina, and our stars of the film are Julie James, the mousy—I don't want to say nerdy girl, but she's very like quiet and kind of plain Jane, right? Played by Jennifer Love Hewitt. Fucking oh man, I had such a huge crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I think it started with this movie. Uh, and then we have her friends, Ray Bronson, played by Freddie Prince Jr., uh, Helen Shivers, played by Sarah Michelle Geller, and then the fucking douchey-ass Barry Cox, played by Ryan Phillip. Felipe. Felipe. Right off the bat, I, Angel, we were, we were texting about this earlier. How much do you care about these characters? I don't like any of these characters at all. And it's so fucking weird because I love Sarah Michelle Geller, like from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like I love that show and I will mm-hmm. still watch it on TV if it's on like reruns on TBS or something. Like I will watch it, but I don't like her character in this. I fucking hated Ryan Phillippe in this. Yeah, Barry <laughs> Cox is a ginormous chode. Well, be beyond that, like I've seen him in other stuff, and I feel like he's trying to do this weird, like rebel without a cause, like James Dean kind of like acting, and it's just it, it feels so forced that, like, honestly, it feels like someone in the '90s told him, "Oh, you're gonna be like the new version of." Uh, 
you know, James Dean's and, and he just like fucking does it. It just so doesn't make sense to me. Like what he's doing. He feels out of time. And then he also just feels like a nineties douche at the same time. Somehow he's in time and out of time all at the same time. <laughs> so we can, oh, and then Ray Bronson, fucking Freddie Prince just feels like he's there. Like it, 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 he's not really, it feels like he's a Blandy McBlanderson, just fucking like he's just there to be confused with the stoplight or with something in the scenery. Like I honestly, right off the bat, I'm like, I, I do not care about any of these people. <laughs> no, I do not like Freddie Prince in this either. I feel like this is not his finest moment. Uh, his again character is just also very flat and unlikable. There's really not much to his story at all, and I just don't feel like he's that big a part of this movie anyway. Um, I think this is the movie where where he and his future wife met. <laughs> uh, yeah, doesn't think... he get married with Jennifer Love yet? No, he gets married to Sarah Michelle Gellar. Really? Yeah. <laughs> did I just confuse them? <laughs> yes, you did. Which is funny because, like, I mean, I forgot that both of them happen to be in this movie. And for some reason, they are two actresses that I just get confused with each other all the time. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, they kind of look alike. <laughs> Why do we confuse them? Now I'm confused. <laughs> well, what's what's interesting about this is, again, I really don't like him in this movie. And I don't understand why, like. Okay, I never think I never thought that Freddie Prince Jr. was like a really great actor, but two years later, I really loved him in She's All That. Like that is just one of my favorite teen movies of all time, and I thought he was really great in that. And it's just I don't know. There's just nothing here, and I feel like it's just I really feel like this movie is a first draft of a Kevin Williamson script that nobody bothered to like add any more nuance to. And it just feels like, like, I don't know. It's just like the, the acting doesn't feel right. Like I, these people are better in other stuff that I've seen them in and they feel like they're not even trying in here. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of them, this is like kind of a big mm, big moment right because i think before this jennifer love hewitt was doing like party of five right i think and it's nev campbell that was doing party of five <laughs> jennifer love hewitt, who at the time was mainly known for a role in party of five <laughs> fuck it that's what wikipedia said oh is she she was in that too yeah. oh my god see i i'm gonna sound super racist but like all these like White women, white women in the women show. <laughs> I wish I could under. I wish I could tell a lot of these women apart. <laughs> these white women. <laughs> anyway, so uh, and I'm know. not saying I'm not saying like in terms of like <laughs> I'm just saying like okay they were all in slasher movies in the '90s and they all kind of played like these bland like final girls right like well, and it's do, you just... sh- do you want a shovel to keep digging yourself in <laughs> no i'm not digging myself in because this movie thinks it's a lot smarter than it is this movie really wants to paint jennifer Le- jennifer Le Hewitt's like main character as if she's like someone who has like the depth of sydney prescott and we did scream last halloween and scream you know that was another movie that i hadn't seen in such a long time this movie is nothing compared to that like this feels like you know like when you had like halloween right which is like the really great uh movie of that took place you know that's the slasher serial killer movie this feels more like black christmas right 
like something that came around it, it was obviously written before scream came out mm-hmm. and it just feels like the ideas are almost there but there's just something about it that that like you'll probably like it it's not but, hitting on the same on but the it's same not gonna movies. be as good as like the movie that like either started the genre or brought it back right <laughs> don't worry i have thoughts on why these characters are so unlikable Please. i believe they're supposed to be unlikable for a reason but i'll, I'll get into that in a little bit but pretty much these are our four main attractive youth leads that are going to uh we're going to be following for the rest of the film so we get introducing them while helen is at a very not objectifying and very like progressive beauty pageant oh my where, god <laughs> where uh, the the whole town has this habit of showing up and oogling all these high school chicks um and ray barry and julie are what appears to be on the balcony and just kind of like watching there to support their friend uh very clearly uh helen is with barry uh and ray is with julie like you know romantically but for some reason it's kind of awkward because it feels like ray is hitting on like Helen in front of Barry and Julie but you know neither here nor there but uh, yeah it it established this scene just establishes that they're all friends they end up at this like party uh they end up at like a party with I I, you know we're left to assume that's their senior year and they're set to graduate so I don't know if it's supposed to be like a sex party (laughs) a sex party where people have sex (laughs) No, a I mean, beach sex party. Well, what I was trying to figure out was before they get to that party, you know, in that, in that scene where they meet Max, right? Um, I was trying to figure out if they were still in school or not. Oh or my fucking god, I didn't understand either. Like, I swear, these people all felt like they had school the next morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Like I, and I don't know why. Like it, it feels less like it. This was like a party in the summer, and for some reason, felt more like people hanging out after prom or something that's the vibe i got too so that's why i'm like i don't know if it's actually fourth of july but i i guess the idea it's the summer before everyone goes out and does grown-up 18 year old shit i mean clearly clearly the movie's called i know what you did last summer and it just like despite the fact that it has that title again it doesn't this doesn't feel like summer (laughs) <laughs> especially because like this this kind of stuff like you know these pageants and stuff like that doesn't it feel more like like a homecoming queen kind of thing which would happen like in the fall or something that's like, the vibe i got and that like <laughs> i don't know man i'm not a fucking small town carolinian i don't know well that and then like everyone wears fish hats like this is a fucking weird town dude well that and then like ryan Philippe's character like is he's talked about as if he's still the quarterback for the high school like it just doesn't make sense to me at all like this movie does a poor job of giving you any sense of the time of year (laughs) even though like and it wouldn't be that big of a problem if the time of year wasn't tied to the title of the film yeah because everyone's like oh that's barry cox he's our starting quarterback that just graduated But essentially, you know, and for some reason, everyone's allowed to drink out in this weird ass pier restaurant party that everyone's at. Yes. Aren't these um, like kids like clearly fucking minors? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) So, Julie uh, meets up with her friend Max, uh, who, like, really good for Max. He shoots his shot, it doesn't really work out. 
Helen even cringes for the poor kid. Uh, just at that moment when he's about to leave, he actually gets one of his drinks taken that he actually had for Julie by Barry, who ends up taking the shot for her. And, um, you know, Barry has a confrontation with Max uh, where he ends up like shoving him around. And of course, it's like a bully, you know, it's the bully bullying the nerd situation. Right. Did Max deserve any of this? Like, no. clearly he didn't really understand. Like, I mean, it seems like he didn't understand that Julie's with someone, which again, if they all went to school together, makes absolutely zero sense. But again, this movie doesn't fucking tell you anything. Like, it feels like this guy has been friends with Julie for her entire life. And given the fact that Jennifer Love Hewitt is, like, one of the main characters in Can't Hardly Wait, and that movie is all about, like, her unrequited high school love that spent, like, four years, like, trying to get at her and, like, does it after graduation. Like, it, I swear, it feels like they're doing this, but they're like, well, but this time, like, she's gonna already be with someone and we're gonna go ahead and ditch it and then the thing is like it's just like it feels like there could have been an, uh, a a less shitty way to fucking put this guy down <laughs> like he there's nothing about him that like comes off as like he would be like harassing her you know afterwards and stuff like that i just, just it, his it, stupid fucking face <laughs> and it, it's just yeah it, it makes me hate barry even more and i don't even like julie <laughs> even because of this it's like i don't know it just and maybe that's not even maybe i shouldn't even feel that way right but mm-hmm. it's just i don't like it, it just it contributes to the fact that i don't like any of these people like Max seems like a much more sympathetic character that I'd like to follow in this movie than Julie. Yeah, and then like Ray again, he's just kind of there. Like he's just there to just be there. Like he doesn't like he doesn't freak out. He doesn't get angry at Max and that's that Max is hitting on his girlfriend. Like Ray is literally just kind of there to be like stop it. Stop you guys. <laughs> It's just like, I don't know, it's it's really weird because I'm not used to Freddie Prince looking like such an uncharismatic, like, statue, you know? Yeah, same deal. And it's funny, too, because in She's All That, like, he plays the jock, and he's supposed to be the guy that gets all the girls and stuff like that. But there's something about his personality where he can never play that in a character. There, he, there's always something very sympathetic about the way he does that. In mm-hmm. this, he just seems like too much of a simp, like... <laughs> like he's so sensitive well he's just so like not not sensitive but just so passive like Mm -hmm. things just wash over him and he just mostly seems like he doesn't care (laughs) yeah it's like weird teenage apathy even though he's like 18 you know he acts like he doesn't care and yet at the very same time like he can't stop telling Julie about how he like is in love with her, but I either don't care. believe it. He either cares or he either cares too much or not enough. <laughs> but so anyway, ev- yeah. yeah. Eventually, our you know our our group ends up ditching the the party to go to a uh, kind of like an isolated beach, and they have their some they have themselves a little bonfire. But not before they have a sex party full of sex. Oh, shit. So we're, uh, you know, the, the group separates. Uh, Helen and Barry go off to, you know, pump. 
And then uh, Ray and Julie, uh, you know, they played the fucking very stereotypical 90s, like, weird teen banging music, which, I don't know. It, it's the a music 90- in this movie, like, oh, it's, it's so, so fucking cheesy, dude. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> like it is so 90s. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, my God. Like, I, there's so much, like, grunge, like... <laughs> It's Shut gr- up, I love grunge. No, like I like grunge. grunge. It's like it, I like grunge, but I mean like it's just like this weird like kind of like fucking I, it would be like gr- if grunge had sex with like easy listening. <laughs> and it's all like Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> and like instead of people like wearing flannel and stuff like that, it's like the preppy kids. It's like the preppy kids have gentrified like <laughs> I don't understand it. I I I, I hate this. T- I hate this. The like, the fucking mood and style of this movie. So you know, after everyone apparently has sex, <laughs> after they sex each other, they're hanging out around the fire and they start telling these eerie stories of the the what's it called the the hook man, right? the the urban legend of the hook man which if y'all haven't heard i mean you can always google it but essentially it's everyone has heard some sort of variation of people at a makeout point hearing noises against their car when they drive away they find a hook attached to their uh you know car door because this serial killer named the hook man was out to get him and I think there there's like a joke about it even in um in in scream if i remember correctly uh, I'm gonna look at Angel, see if he remembers. Uh, I don't know if they did like a thing and scream about this. I do know that this is like there was like the Phantom Killer, right, from the Texarkana murders from like the 40s or 50s, right? And that that was like it's what the movie The Town That Dreaded Sundown is based on, and uh, it's like th- that is one of the kind of real life things that that merge with the urban legend of the hook man and stuff like that Between because that and zodiac and yeah exactly like, you know it, it's one of those things that like it's it's and i i think the hook man story is a good like analogy for this movie it is such a like it is such a it's such a simple and incomplete story that you could tell it to someone else and fill in all these different details about it but when you're just looking at the story itself, it's so plain and there's nothing particularly interesting about it. So at this point, uh, the group is obviously way too drunk. Uh, they end up driving back No, no, home. no. Barry is way too drunk. <laughs> Everyone else seems to be like halfway in their right mind. He's the one who literally just wants to like take his shirt off and start rubbing his nipples while he drinks out of a bottle of alcohol. <laughs> Everybody goes, no, it's my car. I got to drive. No one else gets to drive. <laughs> I don't know why he turned to Barney from The Simpsons in my head. but uh... Well, besides the fact that he's like refusing to let anyone else drive his car. Are we in agreement that he absolutely hates Julie? Like, oh, like what yes. did Julie do to? And it's funny too because even Scary Movie, Scary Movie makes a joke out of this, where like the Barry character in that movie is always like backhanding Cindy, or, or He's like always or shitting like, on her, yeah, or like screaming and slapping her. 
<laughs> because <laughs> this guy is like he is emotionally, verbally, and at some points physically abusive to her. And all Ray does is, hey, stop that. Dude, there's Again, nothing about these never- friends. These friends don't even feel like they like each other. Like, why should I like any of them if none of them even feel like they care about each other? You know what the vibe is? The vibe to me is that Julie and Helen are friends and the other two are just their boyfriends that now have to be stuck hanging out together because the the two girlfriends are friends. (laughs) On their way back to town, um, for some reason, Barry thinks it's a great idea to stand on his soon roof and just be young and, and dumb and just, you know, enjoying life, right? So Ray, unable to kind of pay attention to the road, uh, ends up seeing somebody like last possible minute and ends up hitting this pedestrian that's on the road. Um, you know, as they try to figure things out, you know, the, the group obviously is shaken. They get out of the car and they don't know what to do. Um, you know, at one point, Max drives by them and it looks like, you know, they try to they try to play it off, pass it off as an accident um julie talks to max uh just kind of like tells him that everything is okay and to convince him to leave so now the rest of the group has like a decision to make you know they don't know if this guy is dead or they don't know who this guy is they don't know what was going on but essentially this group automatically thinks that they're all going to get the death penalty because they don't report a you know hitting somebody on a highway so instead of calling the police or, you know, trying to get help or doing anything that your normal responsible folks would do, these motherfuckers decide that the best course of action is to dump the body of the person they just ran over into the ocean. And I'm just like, yeah, great. Let's, that's a fucking great idea. That can't possibly get badly. If you're a fucking homicidal sociopath. <laughs> no, what is it? It's the joke in uh what was a scary movie where he's like, actually, guys, I'm okay. Don't worry about me. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you're left to assume. Like, and you know what's funny is it's not actually too too far-fetched uh, what happens in the actual film. So pretty much they drive the corpse, or quote-unquote corpse, uh, down to the, uh, down to like a pier, and they end up dumping the body, which somehow is able to like, the hand the dude's hand clasps onto uh helen's uh beauty pageant crown and onto her tiara and is able to take it down the water which barry like he jumps down to try to grab it and the guy this is when barry finds out that the guy's actually alive he ends up punching the dude taking the tiara back and like getting out of the water then they leave this guy to be carried off into the current so after disposing of the corpse, our quartet of individuals, our heroes, oh God, I feel like I'm throwing the word hero around very loosely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did just commit murder, but they vowed to never, ever, and I mean ever talk about this ever again at the risk of being physically and mentally assaulted by Barry Cox. Because <laughs> this is the scene you were talking about. Where, like, Barry, he, like, forces everyone to promise they're never going to talk about yeah. it. He shakes her, and I swear to God, I thought he was going to headbutt her. He chokes her at one point. He's like, yeah. he goes, fucking say it! Fucking say it! And then she's like, I promise! 
I'll never talk about it. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm exaggerating, but Jesus, he's such a sociopath. Yeah, no, I'm no, I'm pretty sure that he would literally murder all of his friends. I think he uh I think he covered uh Ray's eyes on purpose and was like, gun it. And then he's like, What? I said, gun it, not telling anybody there's somebody on the road because he wanted to kill the guy. And if we're being totally honest, it is like mega Barry's fault that this happened in the first place. Yeah, like why the fuck was he? Uh, you know what? I don't want to get into it. <laughs> anyway, a year later, so that was that was Fourth of July, nineteen ninety-six. One year later, everyone's kind of gone their own separate ways. Julie's gone off to college, and the past year, we you know over the last year, we find out that her grades have been like terrible. That she's been doing bad at school. And not only that, like, she's been, uh, you know, she looks kind of, like, sickly. The next time we see her, she looks very pale. Her her cheeks look, like, sunken and stuff. And I guess, you know, good on the makeup team. They did a really good job of making uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt look, like, kind of like she's been through it, right? Like, she looks like someone that is legit going through about a depression. Like, and she's been going through it hard. Um, and her roommate... Uh, her college roommate just like keeps poking fun about it, how she's tired of seeing her so pale and that she needs to go get sunlight so because originally julie was gonna just stay stay at cause you know stay in her dorm over the summer um but her friend pretty much convinces her to go and go home and visit her friends and you know there um julie's just kind of like walking through just kind of like you know kind of like the walking dead sort of thing like she's there but she's not really responding to anything until her mom finally straight up asks her hey are you on drugs and she was like what the hell are you talking about and you know we you know her mom tells her that she just wanted to finally get a response out of her because she's been acting so weird uh and here julie actually gets a note or gets a letter that from the house that or you know to her house has no return address but in the letter, we get the, uh, you know, the, the, the titular phrase, I know what you did last summer. So at this point, uh, this forces Julie to reconnect with all her friends um, or all her old friends to try to find out what happened. So she goes down to Helen's sister's boutique there, down there in Southport and, you know, tries to find out about Helen's number. Because I guess Helen was supposed to go to New York. Um, I forgot what college... Uh, what college, what's her face, uh, Julie was supposed to go to. We And we don't really know what the guys are supposed to do. It's never really said what Ray and Barry kind of have going for them after graduation. This is like one of those movies where like nobody really, or like nobody decided to go to college, which, you know, I mean, I feel like is more accurate, right? Like it's not like all the people that you went to high school with like went to college, except for you college boy. <laughs> college boy no, no but but it's like but what's just weird about it is it literally feels like all of them just like it, it doesn't feel earned like ray becomes a fisherman and like he does not look like a fisherman to me <laughs> well that's what's really weird they try to paint southport to look like this weird town it looks like it looks like LA, right? Yeah, but it looks like it looks like a town. It looks like a town. Like, 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 it looks like a town. Like,
looks like a neighborhood in LA. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm like, this looks like a beautiful place to live. Like, they make it seem like if you stay, you're a townie and you're never getting out of Southport. Yeah, did Southport, you see the house that like Barry's family lives in? Like, I would never, I would never go to college either. <laughs> or I guess he did go to college, and I guess he's still a quarterback. But I've never seen like there's no scene of this guy playing a single snap of football and and he just looks really tiny for a football player. No, that's what's really funny. I was reading in like the production section, like you know, when I was doing quote unquote research on this film. I guess everyone had in mind like a six foot tall, like actual like physically imposing looking dude but for some reason they just settled on ryan felipe <laughs> well you know even freddie prince like feels more like an actual foot like what a feels closer to a football player than ryan felipe does i feel so bad because i feels like we're just sl- we're just like this whole episode is gonna be us slandering ryan felipe but then if you go and watch crash he's actually a really fantastic actor <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's good. Well, again, I, I wouldn't slander any of these people, like, outside of this movie. Like, again, these are all reasonably good actors that are awful in this movie. <laughs> it, yeah, it's so fucking bizarre. But anyway, so anyway these characters yeah, so- all start being forced to come back together because Julie has to basically tell them what's going on and because they hate each other so much and none of them feel like they were ever friends with each other to begin with it feels like an uncomfortable alliance that they're all getting in together well you know this is where we find out like what i do like about this is the film does take its time to be like everyone is going through it though everyone is fucked up in some way shape or form like between julie's depression um helen ends up abandoning going to nyu and doesn't go to new york and ends up working at her sister's boutique barry i i just assumed barry was fucking you know fifth year senior in high school just drinking all day <laughs> yeah. in his fucking beautiful ass house <laughs> so that, i thought he was just van wildering it up out there you know yeah but i and think then, they do mention that he's home from college for the summer so dumb yeah <laughs> i'm ne- you know i don't fucking he's no college boy oh and he's a kickboxer too oh, god i hate this man so much the only thing that's worse is that while he's training like fucking headstrong but trapped starts playing <laughs> headstrong <laughs> take you on. <laughs> oh jesus so anyway um you know that when they go talk to Barry, they assume you know Barry just assumes that the 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 women are just some crazy broads, and he doesn't want to listen to them. <laughs> so like that night when he goes to his kickboxing gym that you were talking about, um, he actually gets attacked by a, a figure in a raincoat, like a rain slicker, I think is what they call it. But um, and this guy ends up breaking into Barry's car and trying to like run him over. And ends up crashing his car into a, uh, like, a, not was like a parking garage, but like a warehouse, right? With uh, Barry on the hood of the car. So, uh, doesn't kill Barry. He leaves Barry uh, injured. He ends up going to the hospital when the girls go t- check on him. You know, he's all messed up from, uh, from the car accident. So, I think here, after this is when they go confront Max about it, right? Because they assume, or um, after they meet with, uh, after they end up finding Ray down at the at the uh, 
boat docks yeah down at the like the docks where all the fishermen are uh, the boat docks <laughs> welcome to the boat docks where's the car docks <laughs> but yeah so they end up um they end up meeting uh ray down there they see max is also working as a fisherman i don't know why these two very not fishermanly guys are working as fishermen but okay (laughs) but for some reason barry gets it in his head that max is the person that was attacking him and i guess it makes sense when you're a total turbo douche to the kid that you can assume he wants to get revenge do you ever think that max could have seriously been the killer in this movie no but right doesn't it feel like it feels absolutely not possible he feels like he would he feels like he would want nothing to do with these people and yet and yet after they fucked him off like a year ago <laughs> what's it called uh barry decides to show up to fuck his life up again for absolutely no reason max is like the biggest victim in all of this <laughs> he it, didn't deserve any of this and that's the worst part is that literally his only crime is knowing these people <laughs> He gets fucked every time he comes into like contact with them. So Barry ends up attacking Max down at the docks and threatens him with a fish hook, saying that if he comes near him or the girls again, I swear to God, if you try to fucking kill me, I'm gonna kill you. Oh my god. By the way, the language of this movie is hilarious. I'm pretty sure at one point Barry says he's gonna pound someone's ass. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Oh my god. Oh, you are good. Your ass is gonna get such a pound. <laughs> what do we do? We gotta pound his ass. Oh jeez. <laughs> Makes me think of the my favorite joke in 22 Jump Street where he goes, I'm gonna beat your dick off with both hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think what he means is he's gonna beat your dick off so hard, or he's gonna beat you so hard that your dick will fall off. <laughs> oh, uh, but at this point, Barry does the very mature thing of you know threatening him with a fish hook, threatening to kill him, and leaves <laughs> leaves Max B after cutting him. <laughs> after this, Max <laughs> Max is killed by the killer for some fucking reason. Although, like, there's nothing to say that this kid had it coming, but the killer ends up killing this guy in a very brutal way, too. He ends up shoving the, the like, the, the hook through, like, the bottom part of his jaw. And ugh, I, ugh, I just remember that kill and as a kid and being like, ew, that doesn't look fun at all. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. So, oh, no, I'm sorry. I got things a little bit after... Um, I think I got things a little bit out of order. Did I? <laughs> Wait, let's pause this. All right. So then uh, we get some good old fashioned detective work. So Julie starts doing a lot of research on newspaper articles and finds out that the name of the man they killed the year earlier was David Egan. Um, so Helen and Julie go out to the old, what I can only assume is the old Egan farm, and they go meet with his sister, Missy Egan, uh, where Missy talks a lot about David and his death uh, and how it affected them as a family. I think they pose, no, they, 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 they say like their car's broken down, but then they try to pose as someone that knew David or knew of David or something like that. 
Uh, but they end up getting a name where they think the guy responsible for uh, everything they're going through is actually uh, one of David's friends by the name of Billy Blue. Because he's one of David's friends and somebody that Missy apparently had a thing with. Uh, that night, though, after, conf- or after talking to Missy, when the girls go to Helen's house, we find out, or one of the creepy things that happens is that the killer sneaks into Helen's house and cuts off, like, a lock of her hair while she's sleeping. Or is it her whole hair? I think she fucks up her whole hair. Anyway. Yeah, ends the, up- they, he, he, he cut a lot of her hair off. Like, I to the point where I actually thought that instead of actually cutting her hair, that I thought that they put, like, some sort of, like, hair removal on her and that that's why she was going to continue losing hair. Like I really didn't understand exactly what happened there. <laughs> nah, they gave he gave her nair. He like put a bunch of nair in her head and was like, "Good luck, bitch." But uh, he ends up writing soon on her vanity mirror. So the next day, um, <laughs> so the next day, Julie is going to meet up with her friends, and she ends up finding. And I actually really like this scene. Her she friends up, in quotation marks. <laughs> She ends up finding Max's corpse in the trunk of her car because she can hear like some rattling while she's driving to meet them. She pulls over to the side of the car or to the side of the road, opens the trunk, and then we see Max's corpse in the car covered in like crabs. And there's like crabs coming out of his mouth. And it's just like a really eerie scene. She like it's cool. Up- it's a cool, shocking thing, but then this movie immediately shits it away. Because she goes to find Barry and what's her face, Helen. and yeah, and Helen, and then they, and then they, all the three of them come back to the car, and it's like nothing was ever in there, which is like one of those things that makes absolutely no sense. Unless this guy just switched cars for a second, like it makes no sense why there would be nothing in that trunk by the time the rest of them get there. Like it just. It feels like this killer, which we find out, you know, eventually is a human being. It's just like, it's too much jump the shark supernatural. <laughs> Should have just been a ghost. Should have been just a murder ghost. But <laughs> no it kidding. also but it also gave us the awesome scene. And I do really love this scene where like Julie does the, she, she has a freak out moment. She just starts screaming in the middle of the road. What are you waiting for? I love that scene. I think it's well done in this movie. I think it's even more well done in Scary <laughs> obviously. <laughs> because of the joke where Cindy does the same thing while there's a, a jumper on the roof of the school. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, uh, when, I think this is where they yeah so she you know they find out there's no one at the car uh they go back to helen's house and they uh i think they run into ray at this point because barry like his for his initial like response when he sees ray is to punch him in the face with his stupid cast arm (laughs) again these people aren't friends apparently and he starts accusing ray of being the serial killer but then they start talking about how it couldn't possibly be him and how he has nothing to gain from this. Um, and what they end up doing is they come up with a plan, right? They end up coming up with this plan uh, th- where Helen has to, um, where Helen has to keep up appearances at the 4th of July parade. 
I believe it was supposed to be Barry that goes back to the parade with her to make sure she doesn't get attacked or anything. Um, I forgot what Ray does. Fuck him. Who cares? <laughs> but Julie, <laughs> but Julie ends up going back to talk to uh, talk to Missy to find out more about um, to find out more about uh, Billy Blue and David, right? And when she goes when she goes to talk to Missy, she finds out that apparently David was actually out on that road to kill himself. And that he was going to commit suicide that night uh, because of the death of his uh, girlfriend in a car accident. This is where it gets a little overcomplicated. And this is where I get it's a little bit way lost. too overcomplicated. If you wanted to make it absolutely simple, you would do the scream. If you wanted to do scream, you might as well do scream because this movie kind of tries to do scream, but doesn't really do it. Where they're like, "Well, who could be the killer? Oh, it's Ray. Oh, it's Max." And they do try to posit it that way but in the end it doesn't really matter because the person who ends up being the killer has no relation to these people like it, it just happens to be by coincidence that the guy that was <laughs> that was the killer um was a killer before they hit him with their car who had killed somebody <laughs> else and the person that the killer originally killed is the guy who was Missy's brother. And the reason why there was that Billy Blue thing that happened where they were trying to figure out who the friend was of one of these guys, you find out that I guess there was a lot of guilt that Ray felt and and Ray like, you know, went to pay his respects and stuff like that and guess had some sort of bizarre relationship <laughs> with Anne Hayes <laughs> with Anne Hayes's character for a while. And um, again, it's just it feels like it's so non-important to like the main plot, but it's just everything takes such a sharp turn, like to where it's now all about this random guy that it just it doesn't feel like it, it feels weird. It feels like it was something that was written by somebody else. Like even at the end, of, even at the where? end of the movie, the killer's not wearing the slicker anymore. It's just the hook. And it's just to do with the hook. Talking all like... the time. And it's just like, this guy was not disappearing and reappearing in different places. <laughs> he looks like Ernest from Ernest Goes to Jail <laughs> with the fucking hook. Like, Jesus. And that's what and that's what's really weird. It's like this movie tried to pull the scream route, like you just said. They tried to do an overcomplicated like backstory for your killer and connect him to your victims. And it's like, no, you don't need to do all that uh, it literally is black christmas because remember when we did black christmas last december it mm -hmm. was one of those things where they tried to tell you the different people who the killer could be and then at the end it was haha surprise spoiler alert for black christmas haha surprise the killer wasn't any of them in fact it's somebody that no one knows who they are and he was just a killer <laughs> yep he was just a killer you dumb bitch <laughs> yeah. enjoy oh man so we had a couple run-ins where uh barry thinks he sees the killer it turns out it's just a guy wearing a fucking raincoat in the middle of july <laughs> <laughs> he beats up an old man because i swear barry would do that anyway on his own again okay so why is this old man wearing a coat in the middle of summer that's his problem that's his fault he had it coming okay <laughs> So uh, what ends up happening from here is that Helen goes, she does her, I guess there's the tradition where the previous winner of the pageant has to give the TR to the new winner of the pageant and she has to watch on. 
so the entire town is there again to fucking ogle these high school girls all over again. And Barry's watching from the balcony. He ends up getting attacked by the killer uh, in front of uh, uh, Helen as she watches on and watches them die. She ends up screaming and like demanding people go help her. She tries to rush off the stage to go save him. This entire time, Barry's just getting murdered. <laughs> and she ends up asking the cops to finally go up there. And when they finally do, there's nothing. Of course, there's no sign of struggle. There's no blood because uh, apparently this, this fucking killer is very effective at cleaning up. And the only thing is that we're shown that there was a drop of blood like on a handrail. So the, do- so the officer that went and checked it assumes that uh, Helen's like on the good old wacky tobacco. So he like, you know, escorts her to like drive her back. Um, he ends up taking her in her squad, in his squad car. And while they're driving, they end up like coming up on this car that is, uh, it's kind of like parked on the side of the road. Looks like someone, motorist that needs help. When the officer goes out to help him, uh, lo and behold, it's our killer with his rain slicker look again. <laughs> He's able to murder this officer. Uh, I forgot exactly how Helen gets away because honestly, I watched this movie at the beginning of the week. So I was kind of hoping you would be able to remind me of some of it. <laughs> but I guess she ends up getting chased. Um, she gets, ends up getting chased to her sister's boutique, right? where she demands for the sister to let her in uh who's closing for the night uh as she uh lets her in uh, i think that's when they get attacked by the by the killer again and elsa her helen's sister oh my god i had no idea helen's sister was named elsa this is time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know do you recognize the actress who plays elsa she looks very familiar. I don't remember from what though. She plays Sonya Blade in the Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, <laughs> fuck yes! Well, we need to review Mortal Kombat at one point, man. I know you're not. I know. I know you want to do it. I know you're down. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> All right, so. Helen ends up trying to run for help down by the, uh, what's it called? Down by the uh, parade where she ends up getting attacked and killed by the killer. <laughs> God, people, it's like so many things happen in this movie where it's like, and then they died. So anyway, uh, Julie ends up uh, finding this article uh, about Ben Willis. And apparently Ben Willis is the guy that they ran over and apparently didn't die. Someone that was not connected or ever explained or anything, right? So at one point, um, you know, uh, at one point, like, what's her name? Julie. Why am I blanking on these characters' names all of a sudden? (laughs) So it's like Julie runs down to the docks to, like, talk to Ray. I think she's like very like they don't trust each other um but you know this all leads to the 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 huge culmination on the on the boat right so it's like julie doesn't trust ray so she ends up hiding on this boat where this guy th- where you know she thinks this guy is gonna help him turns out that guy is actually ben willis and he starts taunting her and attacking her um you know throwing her you know she ends up falling down into like I don't know what it is, like the cargo hold area of the ship where she just finds the corpses of a bunch of her, like a bunch of people, including Max and I forgot who else was down there. I, th- 
I don't know. Apparently, this guy has super strength and enough time to like get people all around town, like just hustling these corpses. So anyway, uh, as you know, at this point, Ray comes in and helps him or helps her, and they're able to like fight off um, Billy or not Billy, sorry, Ben. God, there's so many fucking names in this movie. <laughs> Christ. So they end up doing. They end up wrapping Ben's hand in a rope, and they're and they hit it or they hit like this winch so that it shoots Ben up and it cuts his hand off on the, on the, on the pulley system. And so the hand comes falling down to the deck, but he goes flying off into the ocean (laughs) (laughs) and no one bothers to check if he's alive or dead, but the police show up to the crime scene and, you know, of course all the evidence points to Ben and so from here on out they've kind of put it they were able to put it behind them right yeah which i mean they didn't really learn much of anything because they hit this guy and this guy's not dead but they're still gonna lie about the fact of what happened (laughs) you know uh that last summer and uh Oh well, you know we never found the body, but I'm sure the body's gonna turn up at some yeah, point. Yeah, it always turns up. Good job, guys! <laughs> All the cops high five each other. <laughs> and once that ends, then we like jump to another year later in 1998, <laughs> where Julie is like about to have phone sex, I guess, with Ray, <laughs> preparing. Uh, you know, I guess she's gonna be off of school for a while, and she's gonna go see him again. And they're gonna ravage each other, <laughs> apparently, which which she even mentions. And uh, when that happens, you get the oh, well, you have a note, Julie. And then it goes, uh, she goes to the locker, uh, to where her locker's at, outside of the gym shower, wherever she is. Um, and it ends up being like a sorority like invitation. So it's not, it's not the you know, I know what you did last summer thing. Except, surprise, fake out when she goes back into the bathroom where all the steam was from the shower she had running that she just left running that uh, somebody had written, (laughs) I still know, in the door. And, you know, I wonder how I still know what you did last summer starts at this point because because I don't remember how this movie ended and the fact that it ends on like a jump scare. Uh, I'm curious to see what that second movie is going to look like. And maybe at some point in the near future, we'll review it (laughs) and we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see uh, the character of Julie and maybe Ray with like a, a whole cabal of new friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know time for her to bang a whole new friends. Oh, fun fact. I'm pretty sure I still know just kind of retcons that ending oh okay well i'm like willing to bet anyway so angel did you like (laughs) what you did last summer uh i did not like i know what you did last summer uh like we've been saying throughout this episode i just did not really like i just it felt like a really not good rip off of scream (laughs) and it's funny because it was written before scream and it's written by the actual guy who made scream but it just feels like it it feels like an amateur imitation (laughs) and i just don't think that they captured uh despite the fact that this movie it wrote the reason why i think a lot of people like this movie is because it wrote a wave it wrote a wave of popularity for these like tv teen uh 
you know, horror films that scream jump started, but I don't think it's it's I don't think it's that good in its own right. Because <laughs> you know, rel- compared to other horror movies and other slashers, it's pretty tame, you know. So it's one of those movies that I think that it could get away with being on like network TV, and then I don't know. This is just me thinking out loud. <laughs> like it's just one of those movies that I felt they could get away showing like on the weekends and shit mm-hmm. during the late nineties and early aughts. But yeah, ultimately, I don't know. That's kind of hard. I want to say I like it because I love Jennifer Love Hewitt because I think she's very like gorgeous. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm not. I don't. Uh... It's one of those movies. I, I think there's some interesting stuff that if it got flushed out, this movie could have been a lot better. I feel that, you know, unfortunately, it's just it's just not as good as I remember it. I remember it being crazy cool as a kid. Now, as an adult, I'm just like, oh, I've definitely seen this movie done better. I do give it props in that it was one of those movies where it get, and I and here's why I think like all the characters are terrible on purpose. It gave us like this weird thing um, in slasher movies that I've kind of noticed, right? There's this trend. There's those films that you watch because of the victims and those that you watch because of the of the killer, because of the, the, the slasher, right? Like those are the two flavors of slasher films we got. You, you take your Friday the 13th, your Freddy Krueger's, like Nightmare on Elm Street. A lot of those movies are, it's not, the focus isn't on the slasher, it's focused on the killer, right? Um, because we focus on the kills themselves. We focus on, you know, what it is that makes the, like the mystique around these characters. But then you take a film like Scream, Halloween, um, this one, I know what you did last summer. Um, The focus is less on the killer because the killer is just kind of bland and they're there. Like they're just very stand in, like you don't really need much motivation or you don't need to know the motivation behind these, like like behind, behind these slashers. It's more about finding out, like, about your victims, your final girls, and how they kind of interact in this world. But what's interesting about I Know What You Did Last Summer is that this movie, like, you know, Friday the 13th, um, Friday the 13th takes place because Pamela Voorhees wants to punish these kids for the sin of being young and dumb. However, uh, Friday the or I Know What You Did Last Summer kind of does the same thing, except their sin isn't youth their sin is actual murder. <laughs> it's like the first movie I can think of that does this thing where you make your main characters evil, not evil, but um, you make them like just bad characters on purpose. And, you know, it tries to do this thing where it makes you care about these characters, even though they did something bad. Um, and unfortunately, the one thing that this film never does is actually redeem any of them. I guess the one that comes closest is Ray, but he's so fucking boring in background that he he doesn't matter. He, he really doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, everyone, if you're a slasher, if you're a fan of the slasher genre, definitely give this movie a shot. Like, you kind of have to. But honestly, you're not really missing anything too special you know like it's just one of those movies that you probably come back to every once in a while because you're like you know you got some time to kill yep so uh we'd like to thank you guys for joining us uh, for this episode um we'd like to thank our listeners for you know recommending movies for us for this season when they do and uh yeah this has been like the second 
a listener request that we've had in the last couple months. So it it definitely be nice to do more of these, like, you know, at least once a month, we do like a listener request. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out a way to start, to start doing that and get more engagement on the Instagram page, but uh, I'm trying, man, I'm trying <laughs> we have a list of backlogged ones. I just got to find it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, again, uh, please continue to interact, interact with us on the IG page. Uh, give us reviews on uh, Apple podcasts if you can. And uh, yeah, continue to follow us and continue to spread the word about the show. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're going to announce the next movie for uh, Spooky Season? Sure. Oh, because this one's all me, baby. We're going to be watching the Mumblecore movie, or Mumblecore. I forgot. I forgot which one it is. We're going to be watching the fucking movie that I love, so I'm going to spoil my thing now. (laughs) And it's called You're Next. So if you guys get a chance, go check it out. We're going to be talking about it. It, it's a love letter to it's my love letter to my to this movie which is a love letter to other slasher movies i'm excited to do that episode because i have not seen that movie before so and it's one of those movies that i've heard a lot of great things about and um part of why i didn't want to watch it yet is because i had a feeling we were going to do it on the show so i'm glad we're finally going to get to it and we'll get the perspective of someone who has seen this movie and loves it and someone who has not seen this movie before. So it should make for good conversation next week. Yep. So can't wait to talk about it. Take it easy. Bye.